Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of fun, Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we've got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Another edition of the Sunbelt Conference-focused podcast of the Funbelt Podcast. The only man that can get his own special introductory music. <laughs> 25 years in the business, the sixth commissioner of the Sunbelt. We're with him until 2026. The one and only Keith Gill. Well, thank you. Well, Thanks for that introduction. I got to give a shout out to Earth, Wind & Fire. September was my walk-up music at Media Day. And uh, can't have a too, you can't have too much Earth, Wind & Fire. Well, Commission, I can't thank you enough for joining us, though. The biggest thing that I think everyone wants to talk about, conference realignment. Where is the Sun Belt? Has anybody reached out saying, hey, we want to be featured on the Fun Belt podcast, so we got to be a member of the conference? Or are there people going, we've been on the podcast, we need the hell out of here? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's probably a little bit of both. But, um, but no, you know, with regards to conference realignment, I feel like we're in a really good position, you know, I mean, I, I certainly think if, you know, a decade ago and kind of how conference realignment hit the Sunbelt and um, those big losses and, and kind of the choices that were made to kind of um, backfill those teams, you know, we are in such a good place. And, and a lot of that is because we had a coastal, we had an app, we had a Georgia Southern um, and, you know, it helped us from a geographic standpoint. Um, I feel like our geographic footprint is much more, is much tighter um, than it was or than what it could be um, if some of those things didn't happen. And then the quality of our football programs are, are top notch. And obviously you can see that by, you know, having two teams ranked in the preseason this year, only group of five conference that has that. And, um, and so, I, you know, I think we're well positioned. It's a position of strength. I mean, obviously, we're watching like everyone else to see what happens. And there certainly could be some impacts, but we feel good about where we sit right now. You know, Keith, every guest that we have on, we, we ask a little bit about real life. Should the Sun Belt be looking? So should the Sun Belt uh, be keeping its eyes open for candidates? And every single person we've had on, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, they've all said pretty much the same thing. The Sun Belt is very strong right now. You've got the You've got the winning. You've also got the the ESPN contract. You've got the footprint. There really isn't much to to improve upon. But I do wonder with this goofy alliance between three of the top or the Power Five conferences, is does it behoove the Sun Belt and other Group of Five uh, conferences to at least be in talks about maybe? consolidating schedules or coming up with sort of a framework of a, some sort of secret handshake deal? Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, you know, I think that's a great question. I, what I would say is I, I think we're always talking. So like, you know, I'm, I, you know, we're, I'm in constant contact with, um, we have regular calls amongst kind of the group of five commissioners um, just to talk about all kinds of things and issues and those things. All of the FBS commissioners have regular kind of conversations as well. 
Um, you know, I think as it relates to realignment, I think more than one thing can be true, which is I think the Sun Belt is strong exactly kind of where we are and how we're configured. Um, but that doesn't mean there could be opportunities for us to, to kind of strengthen our membership. And, and if those kind of presented themselves, I think we'd be open to that. So, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, all things are on the table. I, I think what's most important, though, is, you know, we don't we feel like we're in a place of strength. You know, we feel like we can um, add some strength if, if necessary. We feel like we can stay exactly where we were and, um, and we'll be stronger. Um, and I think that we're just much better positioned than we were in 2000, you know, 11, 2012, 2013, you know, when some really significant things happened to put the league, um, league, league at risk, really. And, and, and I, I can't see any scenario like that, which I think makes us feel like we're in a really strong position. And then the question is, you know, what, what do we want to do and, and how strategic we want to be obviously very strategic and whether that's staying put, if there's some, you know, good opportunities out there to add members, we'll obviously consider that as well. So here, here's your, your hot seat question. I had an athletic director talk to me about in his pocket. He always had a short list. So baseball coach gets ran over by a bus. Basketball coach does this the football coach. Yeah. that. Here's, here's my top guys. Do you have your list of who's your short list of this university says they're out of here. Who, who's your, who's your first call? Yeah, you know, we really don't have a short list in that regard. And, and I would say anybody who has that short list doesn't work in a bureaucracy, you know, because, you know, you know, my short list, you know, you take that to Texas State, take that to apps. You know, we all have kind of a lot of interests that we're aligning. So, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of folks out there in the landscape that, you know, could make sense. There's a lot of folks that don't make sense. I think at the time, you never know who's going to be on the board. You never know who's going to be where. That's why I think our position is so good, because if we end up exactly where we are, that's a good place for us. And, and that's great. And if there happen to be some, you know, blockbuster opportunities out there for us as well, you know, we can take advantage of those. So, um, so yeah, we don't really have a short list. And, you know, we're obviously, you know, trying to keep our ear to the ground to um, just really understand you know, where this is all heading. Cause that's the one thing I will tell you, anybody that tells you they know where this is going, you know, they're lying and, and, um, or they're about to win the lottery, one or the other. And, um, and I, and I'm not about to do either. So, uh, I have no idea where we're headed. Following up on that. It's on the internet. So, you know, it's gotta be true. <laughs> how, how was Huntington, West Virginia for you a couple of weeks back whenever that was posted? Because, you oh. know, you, you, you can't FaceTime or even Google images or anything like that. Zoom, kind of like we're doing now. You Apparently, were physically seen. Is to yeah, go. No, well, here's what I can. Here's all I can tell you. I, I have. Yeah, I, that was not me. I was not in, in Marshall in the last couple of weeks. Couple. I, I, I'm trying to think. The last time I've been to Huntington. So it was two weeks ago. Years. It hasn't been. It hasn't been days <laughs> or weeks. It's it's been years. So that was not me. It was a stunt so. double. That's what it was. It, it was, it was a stunt what? double. I feel bad that they have these looks. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing. It was like oh, I saw Denzel. He looked like Denzel, but he looked like Gill. <laughs> that is um, that's not a compliment. So I feel bad for whoever that was walking along <laughs> on the streets of Huntington. I, I feel safer and better, though, knowing that there is a stunt double. So nothing will happen to Keith Gill. Now, this guy might be <laughs> in the streets, but Keith Gill is still running the stunt double. Exactly. You know, I, would, I would try to tell you guys it was a hologram, but, you know, I'm not really that technologically savvy. So I think you would see right right through that. So 
Um, so no, I have not been to Huntington in the last weeks, months. Like yeah, not yeah, years. I, I can't remember the last time I've been there. All right, we have Commissioner Gill confirming that he was not personally courting incurring favor with Marshall. So there is one big rumor that we could finally put to bed. <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit about the the uh, the. Uh, uh, the, what happened last season with Coastal Carolina, with Louisiana. We didn't get the championship game. There's a lot of people kind of grousing about that. I won't say who, Cajuns, but they seem pretty upset about that. Have you heard any more grousing? And there's pretty much nothing you could do about it, right? Yeah, you know, I, I just think everyone was disappointed. You know, I mean, yeah. you think about it from a, a conference standpoint, we had two teams ranked in the CFP. In some ways, it was a New Year's Six kind of um, semifinal. It was a semifinal game to go to the New Year's Six, obviously, depending on what happened with Cincinnati and Tulsa. So we were going to be on ESPN. We were going to be in that 3.30 slot, which is like prime college football slot. So I, I think we were all, um, you know, hyper disappointed. At the end of the day, it's COVID. You know, COVID ruined everything last year. It's ruining everything this year. I mean, I, I felt good. I mean, I feel proud that the Sun Belt, we were able to play all our sports, play them on time. For the most part, we conducted all of our championships except the football championship. And um, and I'm still, like, sick on the fact that we had two ranked teams that were going to be on ESPN that were going to be right there in that 330 kind of prime spot uh, for all those eyeballs to see how good the Sun Belt football, Sun Belt football is. And um, we didn't get that opportunity. And the folks at Coastal are disappointed. And obviously, I know the Cajuns uh, were disappointed because they, they certainly wanted that rematch. Well, and you spoke about 2020 specifically and, and, and managing and waiting truly uh, uncharted territory for anyone. I mean, as many, many folks have said across uh, the nation, there was no roadmap for this. Uh, it, it hadn't occurred. Uh, the global pandemic certainly impacting college athletics in a hundred years. Um, how uh, from your, your seat and in your conversations with presidents and athletic directors, administrators, how, how is the Sun Belt doing um, and, and managing post-2020 and, and, and kind of even moving in, obviously, in 2021, as we know, uh, football drives the bus for the vast majority of these schools and understanding the financial ramifications, um, you know, coming off of that? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're doing well. You know, I would say the one thing as we head into 2021, I don't love our vaccination rates of our student-athletes in football. Uh, I certainly wish that could be better. We've got, you know, obviously some teams doing better than others. So that's that's one place because, you know, disruption, we just don't want disruption. You know, we had it last year. I feel like we managed it pretty well thanks to our student athletes and our coaches and our ADs and their flexibility. Um, you know, this year's going to be a little different. You know, we're not rescheduling games. Um, you know, we plan to play our, our game in the, on the Saturday after um, or the second Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, is when our championship game will be. And we don't have that kind of two-week cushion to move games around. And so if we have disruptions this year, you know, those are going to be forfeits, at least in the league's eyes. The NCAA will look at them as no contest, but we'll certainly look at them as forfeits. So I do wish our vaccination rates are up, but I feel like, um, you know, we have good protocols. Um, our ADs and our coaches and our students are doing, you know, really good. We're in a good place financially. You know, we've got our new um, TV deal with ESPN. It really doesn't kick in until next season, but we already have some additional games on linear kind of just through, you know, those conversations and partnerships. So I think that's really positive. 
We've got two teams ranked in the preseason. We've got a lot of really good momentum, and we've got some good opportunities out there, you know. Now, unfortunately, you know, sport is, you know, you're probably, you know, in football five or six plays away from winning or losing in most games, the ones that are close. Um, and we need those five or six plays to break our way this year like they did last year. And, um, and, and if we can do that, we can have a really special year. You know, the, the one thing that we have left on our football kind of um, wish list or goals or the things that we're going to do is play in a New Year's Six Bowl. We've not done that, you know, and, um, and, and I'm hopeful that this year is, 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 the, is, the, is the year we get that done. Well, we've talked about that quite honestly uh, the last few weeks. Uh, part of that is scheduling and, and working uh, through September, in most cases, with these non-conference matchups. We've talked about how uh, the Sun Belt, you know, the, the traditional powers have enormous opportunities. You know, we, we've talked, Dusty and Jeremy, in the last few weeks, uh, you know, e enormous programs, enormous opportunities. Uh, we know what the what the Sun Belt has done really in the last four, five, six years going in and, and knocking off power fives in some cases, um, like the Cajuns last year, looking pretty good doing it. It wasn't quite an upset when you beat someone by double digits. Um, you know, how do those conversations go? And, and obviously that's a, that's another, uh, you know, step forward. When you talk to those other group of five uh, commissioners that you referenced a little bit earlier, um, you know, just kind of seeing where the Sun Belt fits in terms of, hey, th this is what we can do. This is what we can schedule. And as you mentioned with ESPN, leveraging that to, you know, more, more interest, more, more, uh, you know, TV spots. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, one of the exciting things that at least in this off season is it seemed like when you read kind of what folks say, you know, the Bill Connolly's and, and, and the folks that were always reading, um, you know, it really seemed like everyone thought clearly we were the second best team. Now, our goal is to be the first best kind of in that group of five, you know, we, we want to be number one. Um, part of that is playing in New Year's six, but thinking about where we were and how far we've come, it really shows our strength and shows kind of our football programs and where we are. So this year is about validation for us. You know, it really is about going out and, and just playing well, you know, and um, you know, the, the hard thing about sport is, you know, you've got to make the next play too. You know, it's not good enough just to make one play. You got to keep making plays. And that's the way we think about it, you know. And so, you know, we've got some really good opportunities in week one um, to really make some statements. You know, we've got, um, you know, we've got App and, and they're playing um, East Carolina to kick us off on Thursday, you know. And then we've got some really big games on Saturday. When you think about Louisiana and Texas, you think about Baylor is going to um, Texas State. So that'll be a huge game, you know, there in San Marcos, um, you know. And so, you know, those are all big opportunities to to make statements and um, to have another weekend like we had in um, in week one of, um, of of last season. You were talking about these big games, Keith, which uh, some of them I'm very excited about. I feel like Texas State Baylor is going to be more exciting than 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 what people are thinking. Definitely, Louisiana Texas is going to be a great game. Personally, I'm excited for. Uh, Washington State and, and the Red Wolves that come later on. Do you attend any of these sort of uh, bigger sort of big market games or do you kind of kind of stay in, in, at Sunbelt Central when it's time for, for, for those games? No. So, I, you know, this year. So I want to say in 2019, I think I went to 29 live football games, maybe not including bowls. Um, last year, I only went to one live football game, and that was the New Orleans Bowl, so COVID. So, but this year, I'll, I'll try to get to the 30 games. You know, like in the first two weeks, I'll try to go to six games. 
So like I'll be in Austin, so I'll go to Louisiana, I'll go to Louisiana, Texas, and um, and then I'll shoot over to San Marcos because those games, I think if I remember, start maybe two hours apart or two and a half hours apart. And then I'll shoot over San Marcos and um, and and catch, you know, the final part of that game. I'll be at App East Carolina on Thursday night before that. And then the next weekend, I'm going to go down to Miami and try to hit all three games. So we've got. You know, we've got um, App and um, Texas State and Georgia Southern are all down there. So App plays Miami and then um, Georgia State, they're Georgia Southern, excuse me, and um, Texas State play FIU and FAU. So I'll try to hit a portion of all those games. So, no, I, I try to get out as much as I can, see our teams play live, try to get a feel for it, talk to the coaches, talk to ADs. Um, you know, usually I don't, I don't travel as much to road games non-conference road games, just because I would much rather be on a Sunbelt campus. Um, but, but certainly, you know, there's some, there's some big opportunities getting to Miami and seeing three games in the non-conference, you know, the Louisiana, Texas game, I just wasn't going to miss. And it's nice that, you know, I also can shoot over San Marcos and be on Texas state's campus and, you know, hopefully, you know, watch them give, yeah, give a, give a loss to, to, to Baylor. So Absolutely. I'd love to see that. That would be great. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the first two weeks, I'll be out. We'll hit six Sunbelt games. And, um, and so I'll, I'll just kind of keep that going. Uh, make sure I get to every campus. Make sure I see every team a couple, every team a couple times. So, um, so yeah. And what I, I mean, obviously, you know, that's my job and it's important. And, um, but I love football, you know, so um, watching football is not really work. Um, it, it, it really is um, something I would be doing whether I was the commissioner or not, um, you know, since high school, every Saturday I've sat around watching college football, you know, so I'm a college football junkie and um, I just have a, a job that allows me to watch a lot of college football, which is great. You mentioned earlier the ESPN contract. Take us kind of through that. What's like the rough payout that a school is going to get being involved in that? Does it have the ability to expand and maybe even contract if the, the Sunbelt just absolutely tanks. Not that I think they will, but, you know. Yeah. So non-disclosures don't allow us to get, like, in all the details of the, of, of the contract. I can tell you this, which I think is, is really important. One is, you know, most of our contracts, if, if, we, if you have upheaval in your membership, you know, you're going to have to sit down with your partner and kind of walk, walk through that. You know, I mean, that's just – a natural part of the business. This is great though, because ESPN has been our partner for a long time. We've been with them for the long time. They're really the most important kind of media brand in college sports. And, um, and it, it's, it's great that they've committed to us one for the long term and two to have more opportunities in the linear space, you know, and, and getting more games, particularly on ESPN and ESPN two, you know, are really important as we think about, you know, how our schools try to brand. So, it really is a great opportunity for us. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to showcase um, Sunbelt football. And I think one of the great things about last year that really showed us is people got to see those upsets. People got to watch them. They were on TV. Um, and we had so much inventory on TV last year. And um, so we, we knew the value of that. And we thought this was a good opportunity to kind of expand that under normal circumstances. Because certainly we got a boost from COVID in terms of the number of linear games we had last year. And so we wanted to try to capitalize that and, and get a few more going forward. It, it It's very football centric. And I mean, it should be, but since that is kind of the money-making sport, 
what about everyone else as far as men's, women's basketball, volleyball, even soccer and, and on down the list? Yeah. So, so from a linear standpoint, you know, we, we actually have, you know, basketball regular season um, um, games already. We also have our championship game there from um, a basketball standpoint, you know, we're still working. We want to get our semifinals um, on as well. We do want to get our baseball championship game on linear. So those are things that aren't in this contract and we certainly would have announced it, but those are things that we continue to talk about because they're really important to us. And obviously softball as well. You know, we have four teams um, in the NCAA tournament in softball. Um, I think there's a lot of upside and value to one, the quality, but, but also to our, our softball championship. So we are continuing to have those conversations and, and trying to advocate to get more kind of linear opportunities um, for those other sports. I know Jeremy's, you know, really looking forward to the Red Wolves have a great bowling team and he is upset that they are not more televised. Yeah. Can you, well, you know, to tell you the truth, we're not in Sunbelt bowling. We're actually in Southland bowling. Sunbelt oh, doesn't so have a bowling greater, Maybe, maybe greater. people can help us out with that. Maybe, no. maybe form a, I might be aging myself here, but you know, when I was growing up, you know, they had that ABC wild world of sports. Yeah. Bowling was on all the time. And I watched I my parents love like watching Earl Anthony and, I mean, and so I used to watch a lot of bowling. So I'm not a very good bowler, though. So this is going to be the new niche, sort of new revenue stream for the Sun Belt. <laughs> it's going to be bowling. And Keith, yeah, Gil, yeah, you're going to spearhead this. So I appreciate you putting the time and effort and money into Sun Belt bowling. Uh, I, I have a few proposals that I put together in a shoebox. <laughs> I will send it to you, and then you can use them, or you don't have to. But I know. gutter ball gill. I don't. I don't know that. I, I don't know that I can bring home the strike for you bowling. But I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Ben, uh, re-rail us before we derail. Yes, yes. Uh, you, you did mention basketball, and that's uh, certainly something a topic that we have. Uh, we have we have covered and we will continue to cover obviously into the winter, but we know uh, a March Madness and and looking to get back to some semblance of that. I know last year we had the bubble there in Indianapolis with uh, Appalachian State, uh, you know, taking home the uh, the tournament title there. Uh, just rewinding a few years ago, uh, you, you did have the league that was continuing to build and, and continuing to grow. Uh, we saw seeds starting to get a little bit lower, not the typical, you know, 14, 15 seed in that. Um, how do conversations go with, you know, not only athletic directors and things that way, but we know how strong football is, but, you know, we know basketball is, is a one-bid league at this point, and, and we have uh, certainly, you know, goals, and, and, and the league as a whole wants to get multiple bids in, as, as the schools do, and multiple opportunities for, for postseason, uh, including NIT, I know CIT, CBI, hopefully those tournaments so, you know, you know, survive COVID basically, but um, just kind of want to get your take specifically on the NCAA uh, tournaments for the men's and women's and uh, kind of boosting the league's um, you know, fixture there. Yeah. So, you know, we need to be better at basketball, you know, I mean, I, I feel like we can be, you know, a multi-bid league. I think it's going to take us some time to get there. I mean, if you kind of look at where our nets are, you know, we don't have any top 100, we didn't have any top 100 nets, um, last year. Um, and so, so we've got some movement to play, but I think the simple bottom line answer is we need to get better. And I, and I feel like, you know, the conversations I've had with our coaches, they, they, they would totally agree and want to do that. Our ADs are the same way and our presidents are the same way as well. So we actually are, you know, we've got kind of two groups that are really kind of taking a deep dive into the data so that we understand kind of what kind of things that we need to do better. 
do we need to schedule better? Where do we need to invest? How are we, you know, how are we doing with all the metrics that you need to do in order for us to be kind of that, you know, little engine that could and kind of keep getting better. Now, the, the thing that's really difficult for us is, you know, these things will take some time. Um, you know, you don't, you don't turn around like not having any kind of top 100 nets in like a year and a half, you know, it just doesn't really work that way. So, so we, we understand that we're in it for the long haul in terms of trying to put some, some parameters in play. We'll have coaches kind of um, really kind of front and center kind of working with us and with the administration to try to figure out what are our strategic plans for both men's and women's basketball to help that. And we've kind of done phase one of that with our championship, you know, moving our championship to Pensacola, trying to have a really a more traditional model. You know, I, I think it's really hard having like part of the championship on campus, part of it at a neutral site, you know, trying to fly places, you know, with two days notice, you know, some of the kind of formats that we had, I didn't, I don't know that it was conducive or as conducive to having the best basketball and the best basketball tournament. So I think being in Pensacola, knowing it's a neutral site, Knowing when we're going to be there, it's going to help us generate fan. Um, and it's going to help us generate fan. I thought the look and feel of the championship last year was terrific, um, even, you know, in spite of COVID. Um, so this year, that's going to be better. I think it was better championship experience for our teams. So I think we've already taken a step with the growth of our championship and kind of Pensacola, the format, all the teams being there, everyone kind of men's and women's kind of in the same spot. I think we just needed to take the next step with our regular season. We're kind of doing a deep dive, um, you know, really starting this fall to kind of figure out, all right, how do we chart this course and how do we get better? Because we, we should be better at basketball and we certainly can be. And um, all of our schools are, are, are committed to, to doing that. Uh, you were talking about net, which if I, I get that right, that that replaced RPI. It, yes. Uh, yeah. OK. I, <laughs> so you were talking about how it's going to take a while for the conference to start building up that that sort of uh, that currency and that, or if our RPI be the same thing, you know, one of the things that I, I found fascinating about the Power Five, which I never like talking about, but I will bring it up here, is that, for instance, uh, uh, the, the Big Twelve and the SEC in the middle of the season will do like a little uh, swap of, uh, and they'll play some games. Is there any chance that the Sun Belt could do something like that with a peer conference, say a CUSA versus Sun Belt showdown that would really provide a little bit of spark or is that like is that like if there is there just too much uh rivalry in in basketball to even let that happen no i don't think so I, you know I, I, but i think it does depend on what you're trying to do so i mean I, I think having some good regional games i think is great and a lot of our teams already play a lot of conference usa teams like in their region you know that yeah. place you know charlotte and you know a lot of tech plays louisiana and so so in hoops there is some of that already. I think what I would say is when you think about net, though, is like some of those games may not even help you because if you're scheduling those games and you're playing teams that are 150 to 200, you know, that that's not necessarily going to help you. And so, so, so I do think, you know, Jeremy, the, the scheduling piece is going to be really important in terms of how we build those schedules. How many games do we need in quad one? How many games do we need to schedule quad two, quad three, quad four? And then how do we win those games where we need to win them? You know, I mean, I, I would say that if you look at, you know, our 
if you look at kind of the way the things played out for us last year and why last year wasn't so good is, you know, we didn't have as many wins as we would like in quad four. And, um, and so, and so that's one of the things we'll need to focus on is making sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're better there. Um, and that's going to be more wins and that'll inch us up a little bit more closer to that 100. And then what happens is it ends up beating on itself because if you can get two or three teams in the top 100, well, then you're playing conference games that are quad two games. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're getting, you, you know, you're going to get quad two wins. I mean, that's what really helps the A5 is that, you know, they play a non-conference season that almost doesn't matter because a lot of those places where you're in the ACC, you know, the SEC is better now, Big Ten, you know, you play those games and they're all quad one and quad two games. And so you're getting, you know, just by being in the conference and that's where we've got to get. And I don't know that we'll get as many games as the Big Ten, but, you know, we need to make sure that we have two, three, four kind of um, – you know, top 100 games on everyone's schedule because we have three, four, five top 100 teams. And once you do that, then you can start inching forward and then you can get multiple teams kind of in the tournament. So it's kind of like a, a, a progression that you kind of follow up. And, and you know, we've got to really, you know, dive into the data and kind of understand, you know, what the framework for the scheduling needs to be um, and and then how many wins we we you know, think we need to have in each one of those quads and kind of talk through it and um, and make sure that we can kind of build a framework that allows people to have that type of success. Now, the, the thing that's hard is, you know, you don't, you know, the worst thing in the league is have everyone be 500, you know, now, because, because then you get nothing, you know, and so you still need to have, you know, four or five teams that dominate, you know, and get, you know, 75 to 80% of the wins in the league for kind of all to work, you know? And so, and so the math is um, it's, it's really fragile, um, but we'll certainly kind of look at it and, and try to make sure that we have a good, good process to get us kind of where we need to be. Dusty, did you have some, you, you wanted to talk a little bit about NIL, right? Yeah. NIL. So that's been the big hot topic here in the off season is NIL name, image, likeness. What is really the conference's role in that? If any, and, and it, seems like it's kind of a mess because it varies state to state, school to school, conference yeah. to conference, left to right. I mean, it's it's all over the place. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why we really need a federal rule. You know, we need a national standard. You know, unfortunately, the legal environment doesn't allow the NCAA to set a national standard. And um, and so and so that's why the organization hadn't done it. Um, and so we really need Congress to step in because I think you're right. You know, state to state. You know, within our league, we've got, you know, one school can do it this way. One school can do it that way. They're looking to us for guidance. We're like, hey, you got to check your state laws and you got to do this. We're trying to check state laws. So I, I think it's hard and it's complicated um, and, and having one standard would be better. That being said, you know, I, I do think that it's um, it's a good opportunity to have students be allowed to make money in the same way other students can. You know, I mean, I think we spend all our time, you know, one of the things I loved about being a student athlete at Duke, I feel like the Sun Belt is like this, is we're trying to give student athletes a, a, an experience that's like students generally, you know, and, and I think that if, um, you know, some sophomore can go out and do a bunch of TikTok videos and get a bunch of, you know, or go out and eat burgers and someone wants to like that and they can get enough of those likes to, to make some money out of it, you know, I don't, I don't really have any issue with that. And I think it, um, 
you know, I, I think it incentivizes entre- entrepreneurship and it's another type of education. I do think that people have to be careful. You know, I read some of these deals and some of the things people are signing and I, I, I you know, I, I think people need to make sure that they give the right care and deliberation to any of these things that they're signing because that's a, that's a lesson that they don't want. You don't want that type of education where you're like, oh my gosh, I signed this lifetime deal. I got like six t-shirts and now, you know, they've got these pictures for the rest of my life. And when I blow up, I can't manage it. And so, you know, I'm hopeful that people are using it in the right way. I do think it'll calm down a little bit as the market kind of settles, you know, some of these early deals, you know, everyone went up in arms about the Miami, um, I guess it was a karate studio or, or some studio of some sort that gave, you know, every player, you know, some $500 a month or something like that. You know, I, I think the market will settle some of those things out. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily prudent use of marketing dollars. Maybe it is, and, and, and maybe they'll keep that going. But I think that, you know, time will settle out. So I think you're 100% right. It is absolutely crazy. I do feel like we need a federal standard. So there's kind of one rule that manages all of us. But I do think the overarching principle is a good one. And, you know, I'm happy for student athletes. Um you know, that they get the opportunity. I'm just glad they didn't have it when I was there because everyone else on my team would have made money and I would have made money. So, um, so I, I didn't have that pressure of looking to my, you know, cute, my, you know, locker, you know, neighbor and being like, oh my gosh, this guy's making all this money and I'm making nothing. Keith, I'm glad that you didn't have to suffer that sling and arrow of, of against your ego on that because that, that would have been hard. But you did bring up something interesting. Uh, you're kind of talking a, 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 about wise counsel, how these kids may not be receiving the wisest counsel. And we've seen some big moneyed programs like Notre Dame, for instance, come up with sort of a, a department that could handle uh, or an office that can handle NIL stuff for kids and kind of give them guidance and stuff. Is there anything that prevents a conference from doing that? If if the Sun Belt is a, a, a collection of, of schools that maybe doesn't have all the resources to provide such an office, could a conference like the Sun Belt provide that kind of guidance? Or is that something that you'd be like, I want to stay out of, I don't, I don't want any part of that? No, you know, we certainly asked our um, schools because we, you know, we had a kind of conference wide committee where we were trying to educate our schools and, and talk about NLI. So we've been kind of working through this for, you know, 18 months in terms of educating our schools. And all of our schools kind of had an independent kind of thought in terms of how they wanted to educate their students. And I feel like they're all doing a good job. They're all doing it kind of different ways. You know, some are using you know, some of the folks that you've heard of, Influencer and Open Doors and some of those, and some are using some others that you haven't. I think they all do the same thing, which is provide a platform for students to kind of vet opportunities, find opportunities, and um, understand how to use them. I think, I, I actually think where the breakdown sometimes comes is, you know, the way people access students and whether or not students are always patient enough to vet those opportunities through kind of some of that um, education and some of that framework that they have. And I think that's where it can lend lend itself to, um, you know, not great deals. You know, it's interesting. We haven't heard a lot about that. So maybe that isn't happening. You know, I I just worry that as as we go on in time, we are going to hear a few of those stories where it's like, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't signed that deal because I got a bag of beans and, and, you know, I gave away these, these rights in perpetuity. I didn't know I was doing that, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, you guys have seen these contracts. I mean, they are, um, yeah, the fine print is is always what gets you. 
I definitely enjoyed the, uh, the the offensive lineman stories with uh, local barbecue joints. So I'm sure there's plenty of uh, spots there in, in at, uh, at at Duke. You could you could have found some places to eat. Uh, that wouldn't have been a bad uh, nil deal for you. Would it? No. Well, one, I love barbecue. So any <laughs> any any nil barbecue, I would I would have taken. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. So that I would have been one of those people. You know what I mean? Like I would have signed my rights to be on a podcast away for a slab of ribs. <laughs> you know, as a, as a 19 year old. So I would, it's I would, not too I would late, to... Keith, it's not too late to sell your soul for, for mere trinkets. If you would become an endorser of a fun belt podcast, we will get you a t-shirt. It may <laughs> or may not fit. Oh, so he's got to endorse it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you listen close enough, he almost in his keynote says fun belt. I mean, it's meant for him to endorse us. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's destined. Well, actually, that does bring me to one question I had: is like, so who had the idea? How'd you guys come together to um, put this podcast together? Unfortunately, it's my brainchild. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I I always wanted to host a podcast to talk about the Sun Belt overall. I've been here from day one covering ULM and their journey through the Sun Belt, as well as seeing teams come and go. And I just feel like the league overall has been overlooked when it's been one of the best mid-majors, one of the best G5, whatever you want to call it, that's really sustained all the changes that you've seen in college football since 2001, the first year. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've always been attracted. I grew up on old Southland Conference football, so I always liked the smaller schools of, you know, going back to the old Northeast Louisiana games, going to Northwestern, McNeese. So I've always had a special place for the smaller schools. Going to ULM was was phenomenal. Met the misses there. Somehow I escaped Monroe. And I, I know I say that. I love Monroe. But it, <laughs> someone explained it to me. It's like the boomerang effect. You can leave, but you'll always come back. And I told the person they were out of their damn mind when they told me that. And a week later, I got a job to go back to Monroe. Yeah, you'll be back. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I'm in Texas right now. I have no idea if the boomerang is going to come back. But, you know, it, I, right now we're settled. So. And I think part of it, too, if, you, if I may be so bold, Dusty, is that um, it has a lot to do with what you're doing at uh, the Sunbelt Key is that you've really elevated the game of the Sun Belt. And it really became time to where the Sun Belt could no longer be put beneath a G5 umbrella or be as a also going on as this is going on in the Sun Belt. I think the three of us really have this sort of passion to cover the Sun Belt in the way that isn't always covered. Uh, I know that Tibbs is uh, sort of a, uh, our paternal figure. He's been around for so long carrying that water and then me and and Ben have sort of come in later on and to be able to do this podcast and to talk to to the commissioner and to be able to let people know what's going on with the conference is very important to us and we really do appreciate you coming on to the show no thanks for having me yeah no this is great I look forward to the next time hopefully I didn't blow it this time so no but there is invite back there is one more question that I kind of promised people I'd ask. Oh, I, I got the great fan question. It's probably the same one we have, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. I, I might. All right. I, I'll go first. Okay. And then you can kind of bring it back with probably a better one for the second. Should I go ahead and start acting like they're static now? This sounds like a question <laughs> I might need to, you know, be like, I can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I lost the connection. 
Have you seen this milk crate challenge and have you done it? You know, so I have seen it and I haven't done it. And I will <laughs> never do that. I mean, that is. You um, are a former college athlete. If anybody could accomplish the milk crate challenge without getting hurt, certainly it would be Keith Gill, right? Well, one, I, I am not that I ever had a prime, but if I did, I'm well past it. So that's one. Uh, okay. Some of those falls I've seen, you know, the great thing is I graduated from college. I did. I don't know how much I learned, but I learned something. And the one thing I learned was after seeing those falls, no, there's no way. I don't know that I can get up from that. I think <laughs> I, I think that you're missing a valuable lesson, and that is the lesson of gravity. And and that can only be taught through the milk crate challenge. And I, I, yeah, I feel like true. you're sort of depriving yourself of this, this extra degree. All right, so we've learned two things before Dusty asks his question. One is that Keith Gill was not courting Marshall personally to come into the Sun Belt. That's been confirmed. And two is that not only has he not participated in the Milk Crate Challenge, but he likely never will. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. It, it, All something right. went terribly wrong <laughs> if, if I'm climbing up those milkshakes or someone offered me some ungodly amount of money, you know, even if I failed to get it and they gave it to me up front, you know, because that's certainly one of those where your boys would be like, oh, yeah, I'll give you some money. And then you did it and they'd never pay you. And you'd be in like a cast for, you know, six months. So somebody like TCU or Baylor says to you, Keith Gill, we will join the Sun Belt, but only if you challenge us to the milk crate challenge <laughs> and do it on TV. You would do it, right? Because you do it for the good of the Sun Belt. You know, here's what I, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I, I would do it for the good of the Sun Belt. I would do the milk crate challenge for the good of the Sun Belt. However, I would work day and night to figure out another path to accomplish whatever that was without having me get on there and really injure myself in the ways that I've seen people fall on the internet, which is very strange after you've seen that happen, that you would even think I'm going to be the one to do it. Um, it's very, yeah, I well, you know, I guess it's entrepreneurial. I just maybe I can't think of another spirit. commissioner with the physical skills that could possibly pull it off. So do you think Wright Waters could do it? Yeah, Wright Waters can do anything. So of course. No, there's no way that man would do it. I know that you could beat the heck out of Mike Oresco. That's for sure. Now, Benson, <laughs> I think Benson with enough liquid courage would definitely do it. <laughs> oh, he's probably already done it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's got, he's, he's a good athlete, though, you know, baseball player, probably got good feet, you know, I mean, the key is, if I did it, I would only have three milk crates just lined up next to each other and just walk across them, you know, like, part of it is, I saw a dude, it looked like he had them, like, 12, 15 milk crates high, I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, That's the challenge! Yeah, well, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to downsize that challenge, so... Tibbs, help us bring this bring this train back onto the tracks and give I us had a question for 16 hours in the car over this past weekend going to and from a junior college to drop my son off where he is a student athlete in there I got to listen back to our great first ever podcast where I made the commitment to our listeners that when we have Keith Gill on I will ask him when are we getting Idaho back in the league? Oh, God, no. Oh, Tibbs, I told you to bring us on track. 
Oh, ah! His obsession with the Kibby Dumb continues. I apologize, Mr. Gill. Oh, my gosh, that's so I good. I'm so sorry for Dusty. I promise that will never happen again. <laughs> he has an unhealthy obsession with Moscow, Idaho. I don't know what it is. I think he hasn't taken his pills. It's all that. It's, just, <laughs> I will tell it's you not though, his fault. I, I've been to Idaho a few times. It is beautiful. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I, yeah I, I actually love um, Idaho. I love the state. Uh, I love going there. So I've got um, I've got nothing but um, good things to say about about Idaho's and, I, and uh, Idaho and I love potatoes too. So See? you know, so I mean, <laughs> please don't be on Team Idaho though. We we are we are we have a list, a chart of who's on Team Idaho, who's not on Team Idaho, and you can be neutral. I think that's probably a smart position for the commissioner to be. Yeah. But if, if you don't want Idaho, just blink twice. And then <laughs> One thing I would say is you can't hate on any state that has a bowl game where the Gatorade bath is like tater tots or cookie fries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that the best coach dousing thing? I mean, it does, I don't know that it gets any better than that. See, that's much better than probably some of the Sunbelt traditions. So we got to bring more tradition to the league, Jeremy. Uh, you know what? Now I'm beginning to come fall into Camp Idaho. Love there it. Might be a few more podcasts, but uh, you might get me back in there. That would that that might. It's be. beautiful. <laughs> so, Commission, we're all over the place, as you can tell, but we greatly appreciate you joining us. It's been fun. It's great. It's it a lot of fun. So, anytime, um, yeah, I'd be more than happy to participate. I really appreciate you know what you're doing in terms of um, talking about Sun Belt. And, getting our, you know, information out there and branding us and, and saying good things about us. And, and um, yeah, so thanks thanks so much for that because I do think um, last year was a breakout year for us. A lot of people who should have known about us didn't and learned about us, and um, hopefully we can keep that going this year. Yeah, we're, we're always looking for ways to uh, brighten the league. Um, I know your predecessor, Carl Benson, said it best. Uh, the future of the conference is bright. you got to wear shades and – just please don't ever bring back those shirts there, Commission. That's the only thing I ask of you is please do not bring back those shirts. <laughs> it wasn't enough for him to be the Sunbelt Commissioner. He had to become the sun itself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so All funny. right, Commissioner. We are going to – unless anybody has any more questions. I'm good. Thank you. Stuff. Thank you so much. Good deal. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me.